welcome to the Culture Watch podcast, a podcast outreach of Speaking for Him. My name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege to be your host each and every Monday. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. My hope is that some of the content of this episode will be an encouragement to you as you continue your journey that we call the Christian life, and as you seek to have a biblical response to the things going on in your culture, current events, and news-wise. Because we are called not to be of the world, but we are nonetheless called to be in the world. And so, having a proper response to the things going on around us is an important thing. As I often say on this podcast, every political issue is a moral issue, and so we must be aware of what is going on around us and encourage people to seek the wisdom found in only one place, a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's get started now with news from the week of February 19th. We start out this week with a story concerning the DA of Fulton County, Georgia. In focus now, Phil Holloway, former assistant district attorney for Cobb County, Georgia. First of all, I, I follow you on on social media, so I know some of your thoughts. But I want you to share with the audience of the Faulkner Focus what you thought about the job that that judge did yesterday. Well, great to be with you, of course, Harris, always. I, I think the judge did a did a good job on balance, though I, I do think that he sort of surrendered control to uh, D.A. Willis when she took the stand. I wish he had done a better job of, of reining her in. Uh, I wish he had allowed the defense lawyers to rein her in a little bit better with their yeah. questions because she took the stand and she came in there and she was obviously angry uh, and she had a lot she wanted to vent about, but she was watching the witness's ah. testimony yesterday, in, which is you're not supposed to do. The That's defense had invoked the rule of sequestration, and it appears that she was mad because she had watched uh, the testimony and the cross-examination of Nathan Wade, and it looks like it upset her. But this whole thing is evolving into perhaps an ethical dumpster fire, uh, and by that I mean if they can prove uh, satisfactorily that she and or Nathan Wade have made material mis- representations to the court that she could be in very big trouble. Uh, this is potentially disbarment territory if they can make out that case. Look, I'll get I'll get to the wads of cash that were stashed here and yeah. there and and traded hands and so on and so forth. But an Axios headline, Donald Trump's attorneys have multiple reasons for hope right now. Some of them possible removal of D.A. Fonnie Willis federal election trial indefinitely postponed. His first trial will be the hush money case, and legal experts say it is the weakest of the four. The U.S. Supreme Court will likely put him back on Colorado's primary ballot. Phil, your thoughts on that? Well, I agree with that. And and let's take it uh, it, just in the context of this Atlanta case in Fulton County. uh, Let's just say the judge does rule to remove her. Then the state will appeal that. 
on the other hand, if the judge rules that she's not going to be removed, then the defense can appeal that probably pre-trial. And so this can go to the Georgia Court of Appeals and then the Georgia Supreme Court. And any resolution of this trial is going to be put out well beyond the, the election in November of this year. So uh, this, at a minimum, is going to delay things. And, and the prospect of conducting a criminal trial, let's say Donald Trump wins the election, what is the judge going to do with that then? Is he going to try to put a sitting president on trial in Fulton County, Georgia? I think the odds of that are pretty pretty slim. So if you've been around workplaces for any length of time, you know that most places of business have extensive nepotism policies. And they do this because they do not want uh, two things to happen. Number one, they do not want either of the people involved in a relationship, either the subordinate or the superior, to have an undue influence on the other person when it has to do with doing their work. And they also don't want extra drama should the relationship break up. Both very good reasons for strong nepotism policies. What we're dealing with here is a person who is a DA of Fulton County, Georgia, who then hires someone that she cares about in a romantic sense to be a special prosecutor in the charges against former President Donald Trump. And so there is a very high possibility for impropriety on one or both of their parts. It does not look very good. Even if both of them were totally committed to justice, it still looks fishy. But there's reason to believe that she could have undue influence on the proceedings if she had a romantic relationship with Wade and then decided to appoint him as the special prosecutor in the Trump matter. So that is being sorted out right now with some hearings, and she obviously, Miss Willis, is not very happy about it, and it will probably take some time for us to find out how this affects Donald Trump's trial, if it delays it, if it changes it in any way. But I think the biggest thing that we need to realize here is that justice requires integrity. And I think there's an obvious double standard here because I can guarantee you that if this DA was a Republican, the mainstream media would not be on their side. As a matter of fact, I was telling my brother earlier that I feel like if it, if the roles reversed and this was a Republican DA going after Joe Biden or another prominent Democrat, they would already be out of office because they would have been pressured so by the media or by others involved. There definitely seems to be a double standard. And we read in the Proverbs that dishonest weights are an abomination to the Lord and that we need to be honest in our business dealings. 
And so I think it's so very important that we realize that especially on the highest levels of our land, whether it be House or Senate or state Supreme Courts or state DAs, as the case may be, or county DAs, we need people who will put justice above all else. And promoting and favoring people who are your family or your love interests is not a good way to show forth integrity. Now, as I've said on this podcast, Trump is not my number one choice for president, although he will probably get the nomination. But that being said, I do not feel like the legal proceedings against him have merit, and I do not think that these things have been pursued in a just way. The left goes from one thing to another in their effort to discredit him and in their effort to get him off the ballot. I've said this before and I will say it again, that he should be on the ballot because people should be able to vote. And if they don't want him to win, then they shouldn't vote for him. That is the reality. And I was hoping that another candidate would emerge, but it seems like the people on the Republican side are falling off one by one and that Trump is far and away the leader. So we will see what happens with this election. What I know above all else is that we need men and women of integrity to rise up and to take positions in our government. The Proverbs say that when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. And when the wicked are in power, the people groan. So my question to you would be, would you rather rejoice with a righteous leader or groan under a wicked one? Because that's one of the reasons why this podcast matters so much to me, is because we have an opportunity in this country to make moral decisions about the leaders of our land and the laws of our land. And I believe that if we don't, we will give an account for our actions or inactions one day. And so I think this is so very important. We're going to continue on in this vein of holding our leaders accountable because our next story details the impeachment of the Department of Homeland Security head, Mr. Mayorkas. Now to the border crisis, Republicans forcing the White House to finally confront it by impeaching Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. They claim he failed to uphold his oath of office and protect the border. GOP lawmakers say it's long overdue, accusing Mayorkas of doing nothing as a jaw-dropping amount of illegal immigrants pour into the country. The latest example being this shocking video of Chinese migrants slipping through a small gap of the border wall near San Diego. President Biden vowing history will not look kindly on Republicans who voted to impeach and the Democrats out in force to defend Mayorkas. History will not will not look kindly on House Republicans for this blatant act of what we believe to be unconstitutional unconstitutional bipartisanship. It's shameful. They cheapened the meaning of impeachment. Um, 
they Even continue more. to shred the Constitution. What we've got is a right-wing isolationist mega cult that has overtaken the Republican Party. The only thing that's going to change is his Wikipedia page. There'll be a new line on his Wikipedia page. That's it. He's still going to be the secretary. We did a foolish thing, and that is to pass an impeachment of a very qualified and effective secretary of Homeland Security. And while Mallorca's awaits a Senate trial, the influx of illegal immigrants continues to overwhelm blue cities across the nation. Let's look at Boston, getting so crowded at shelters there that migrants are moving out to the suburbs. One woman who welcomed a Haitian family of three into her apartment says that she feels like she has a personal chef because the migrant enjoys cooking. And a Democrat there is encouraging others to join in, saying this, I think everybody should be opening their doors because this is a shared responsibility. Greg, we've been suggesting that. Yeah, you know what? Uh, <laughs> if you're for the open border, open your door. Yeah, and you know, the Dems, they're, they're for indentured servitude now. Isn't mm. that nice? I, it feels great to act like a Democrat. Because what do Democrats do? They impeach knowing it would be defeated. And the reason, of course, is always because it's a noble one for even if you know you can't succeed, you cannot remain silent. You must get it on record or else history will judge us for doing nothing. That's what a Democrat would say whenever they impeach Trump. So when you're in a battle and you show up with spears and the other side has cannonballs, you don't scream. That's not fair. You don't get those cannonballs. No, you go get cannonballs. So the Dems who've been impeaching and targeting their political adversaries with lawfare well, now it's time to grow some cannonballs and impeach the Democrat incompetence and start suing, you know, Soros funded DAs. Why not? They've been doing it. And this is not partisan uh, counter to what they're saying. All Americans have been affected by his incompetence. If this guy was managing a Chuck E. Cheese, he would have been fired. People would show up. No reservations. They cut in line. They'd go and sit at all the tables. They'd order food and beer. Then they would skip skip out on the bill. bill and Alejandro would say, don't worry, the other customers will pay. Okay, so I have a couple clips regarding this story. In this first clip, you see the Democrats talking about how evil it was to impeach this man, how it won't affect him because he will stay in office which sadly is most likely true, and how the Republicans are just trying to do this for their own gain, that they're just being petty, that it doesn't matter. And the interesting thing is they accuse the Republicans of doing the very thing that they have done to President Trump. Over and over, they have tried to accuse him of impropriety, and over and over, it has been found that that is not the case. Why? Because they don't like him. I want to say a few words about what Mr. Gutfield said here, because he talked about if Mr. Mayorkas was managing a Chuck E. Cheese and he let people come in and order pizza and beverages without paying for them and just said, somebody else will pay for that, he would get fired. So why would he get fired from a place like Chuck E. Cheese but not be fired from a place like the White House or the Biden administration? That's just plain wrong. And this second clip goes even further because lest you agree with 
the Democrats or lean toward agreement with the Democrats on this issue, Judge Perraro, in this clip, lays out the legal case for the impeachment. And I think she has a lot of good things to say. You know, I I think the important thing for people to remember, uh, I got the resolution for the impeachment. This impeachment is not about politics. It's about the law. And what Mayorkas did was he totally ignored the law. He violated the law. He violated his oath to the Constitution. Number one, he refused to comply with a detention mandate that requires all who clearly and beyond a doubt are entitled to be admitted All others shall be detained for removal. That is the law on detention. He also failed to enforce the law, which required removal of Border Patrol from protecting the border to processing the release of illegals into the United States. He also expanded parole programs, never authorized by Congress. He exceeded his authority. He thought he was an executive with a pen and a a telephone. He dramatically degraded the quality of life for Americans throughout this country. And I haven't even talked about the breach of trust in this resolution where they talk about the fact that alien smuggling organizations made $13 billion in one year uh, and where they the access to uh, homeland security, they wouldn't allow the inspector general. Can you imagine if Donald Trump's secretary of homeland security would not allow the inspector? Inspector General access to anything in that department. I mean, you know, this is really not about the question of, you know, history will not look kindly on us, you know, uh, for what the Republicans have done. The truth is history will not look kindly upon America for uh, tolerating what is basically our government caring more about illegals and putting American citizens, subjugating them to those illegals in every way, financially, uh, in terms of education, in terms of hospitalization, and in terms of uh, uh, money for food. It just goes on and on. So in this clip, Judge Perraro lays out about four or five different ways in which Mayorkas failed to do his job. He ignored the law in some cases, and he superseded the scope of his authority in other cases, specifically as regards to parole and the, and the way that he could dole that out for illegal immigrants. And the bottom line here, folks, is that there's a proper way to come to America and an improper way to come to America. There are people who are prepared to immigrate here, and there are people who aren't prepared to immigrate here. And it's Mayorkas' job to enforce the laws so that the people that are legally allowed to be here can be here and enjoy the fruits of the labor that it took them to get here, and that he can keep out those who are not legally allowed to be here. And that's not even to mention what we talked about last week where they've had multiple occasions where illegal immigrants have been committing heinous crimes on our shores and have not been called to account for what they have done. And it's very difficult for police departments to prosecute people for whom they have no information. So 
I think it's pretty clear that this impeachment is legitimate. Now, I don't know how far it's going to go because as has been stated, um, it will probably just be a blip on his biography on Wikipedia because the House voted to impeach the Senate probably will not uh, because they are Democrat controlled, but we'll just have to wait and see. But again, the important thing to remember here is that we need to pursue integrity at all times. Our country is only as good as its leadership, and right now the leadership is struggling. We need people who fear God above all, because if you fear God, you will make good decisions for the people of the United States of America. That is why the oath of pretty much every office in this land ends with the words, so help me God. They weren't written into the original presidential oath, but George Washington added them, and they've been repeated by every major oath taker from then on. And those words need to be more than words. We need to seek God for direction. The Bible says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and braideth not. But we must ask in faith, nothing wavering. And so we really need to pray for our leadership now that they would turn to God, because the Proverbs say, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whithersoever he will. But we also need to pray that God will raise up leaders like King David, who God said was a man after his own heart. Well, I have uh, one final story to talk about on today's broadcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, And it involves a shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. Two minors are now facing gun-related charges connected to the deadly shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Police say it began with a dispute between several people. Our next guest attended the celebration and filmed this video of bystanders taking down one of the suspects there. We'll talk to him in just a moment, but first let's go to Jeff Paul live in Kansas City. Jeff, what are you learning about these charges? Oh, yeah, Jackie, Jackson County Family Court confirming that they expect extra charges to be filed eventually in the future as this investigation continues. But as it stands right now, these two juveniles are being held at a juvenile detention center where they're being held on two charges, one of them being gun related, the other being related to resisting arrest. Now, initially, three juveniles were detained by police after the mass shooting. But after questioning and more investigation, one of those juveniles was released and believed not to be involved. Police have also made it very clear they are grateful for the bystanders who stepped in tackling people who were possibly involved in this shooting. A short time ago, Fox News spoke with one of those good Samaritans who risked his life to help others. As I'm taking him down from behind, I see a gun laying on the ground. So I knew right then and there, I got to take him down and I got to keep him down because if he's got one gun, He may have another one. 
Now, the announcement of the charges is just one step in what's expected to be a very long recovery process for Kansas City. And that was clear last night during a community vigil that was full of raw emotion. Some said they were flat out angry that such a joyous celebration was ruined by gunfire. Others, though, expressing sadness for the loss of local DJ and mother of two, Lisa Lopez Galvan, who was shot during the parade. We're also learning today that singer Taylor Swift has since donated $100,000 to the family of Lisa Lopez Galvan as they continue their recovery process. Jackie. So another gun related tragedy for the United States, this one at the chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. And the early indications are that it was a personal dispute that got out of hand and turned into a mass shooting. That's a little bit hard to believe, but it just shows how things can escalate quickly. But I want to point out a couple things. Number one, it's important to keep in mind that the people who did the shooting are responsible for inflicting this carnage. The gun is a weapon and is a tool that can either be used for good or for evil. In this case, it was used for evil. So these monsters who did this shooting need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. And if they were minors who were granted access to guns by their parents, then I do believe that their parents should be held responsible as well. Parents are responsible for their children, and parents are called by God to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So it's important for parents to take responsibility for their minor children and to prepare them for adulthood. We have a whole generation of children who are not being encouraged to grow up into adulthood. I am so grateful for a father who sat me down when I was 13 and said to me, today you become a man. Did I do everything completely right as a man at 13, 14 years old? Do I do everything right now? No to both of those questions. But the reality is that by calling out the man in me when I was 13, my father set me up on a better path than I would have been on if I had been allowed to use my youth as an excuse for foolish behavior. The truth of the matter is that the word teenager did not exist until the 1940s as a result of an article in Reader's Digest. So in the grand scheme of time, it's a fairly new concept. We need to constantly be calling out the man and the woman in our young people. We need to call them to a higher level of excellence. We need to not be afraid to give them high standards to live up to. If you constantly have low standards, you may hit them every time, but you won't be growing. You won't be achieving anything. If you have high standards, you may miss, but you'll still end up higher than you would if you had no standards at all or had the aforementioned low standard. We need to kick away 
this idea of the soft bigotry of low expectations and instead raise the bar. Our society is desperately in need of people who will train their children to raise the bar on the expectations that they have. Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise your youth. That's what we need to say to our young people today. This final clip regarding this story is something that made me uh, very happy despite this tragedy, and that is that there were plenty of instances where people jumped in to help in times of crisis. Mr. Rogers is famous for saying that when he was younger, his mom said, in times of crisis, look for the helpers because that will encourage you and show you that there is hope in the world. And this shooting was no exception. Our next guest, Jackie, was watching the parade with friends when the shooting broke out. Clark Lynch joins us now. Clark, thanks so much for being with us. I'm sure that you and the rest of the residents of Kansas City are still trying to make sense of all of this. We've got a map of the area in front of Union Station. Uh, where you and your friends were related to the shooting. The yellow circle is the area where you folks were, right in front of the station there. The red circle is where the shooting took place. Lay it out for us. What 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 happened and what were your initial thoughts when you heard the gunshots? Uh, yeah, so I was there with two friends, uh, Devin and Nick, and we the parade and rally just ended. And uh, I said, hey, let's get out of here. Uh, little did we know the direction that we were going was taking us directly into the, the circle of where the victims were at. Um, so we turn around and we hear, you know, pop, pop, pop about 10, 15 times. Uh, I lean over to Devin and I said, hey, are those are those gunshots? Um, and he assured me, no, those are just firecrackers. And that's what they had sounded like. They weren't super loud. Uh, we then took a few steps more forward. And then we saw the uh, first victim laying there on the ground. Um, and CPR was getting administrated. To, to that victim, uh, we look over to our right and we see two little girls, look to be the age of six or maybe eight years old. One had been shot in the leg, uh, tourniquet wrapped around her leg with blood. Um, and then we look behind those girls, there's two bodies laying in the street with a gunshot wound in someone's chest and blood gushing from it. Um, and the CPR was being administrated by innocent bystanders. Uh, so from what we remember, Devin ran and grabbed some officers to tell them where this was taking place. Um, and then immediately, myself, Devin, and Nick grabbed these metal barricades that you can see maybe in the video mm-hmm. uh, and built some barracks around both of the victims um, right. so that they were protected from the crowd that was rushing. And so after doing that, um, that's when I think a, a large mass of people had realized what had happened. And so we saw thousands and thousands of, of individuals running, a uh, stampede of, of individuals in fear uh, for their lives. And so we chain up and we run up the hill to safety. Um, and wow. our, our first response when we got to safety was just to start praying for our city, uh, praying wow. for the victims, uh, for the first responders. Uh, one of my best friends, Trent Barker, was a, a active firefighter on duty. So mm-hmm. as, as we are running from danger, guys like that are running into danger. So just praying for their safety. It really is remarkable, though, that you and other civilians jumped in to help. Some civilians tackled one of the alleged gunmen. Uh, Police say that this was likely the result of a personal dispute that escalated into gunfire. There are two minors that are being held in custody and charged in connection with this event. But when you you take a look at what happened here, Lisa Lopez Galvan, 
mother of, of two and, and a wife, um, a DJ there in uh, Kansas City, beloved. She really is a promoter of Tejano music. So many people injured, many of them children, uh, over a personal dispute. I mean, it's difficult to wrap your head around that. In this clip, we see the compassion of the gentleman being interviewed, and we hear about the compassion of others, some that tackled the gunman, some that were offering CPR and and life-saving measures, and others that were setting up barricades so that the people that were being treated would not be stomped on. So it is a blessing to know that there are heroes in the midst of tragedy, and as this gentleman said, there are people that run toward danger while other people are running away from it. And so I think that's a good lesson to us all to realize that there is still good happening in our country and there is still hope even in the midst of tragedy. Um, I really hope that this wakes up certain people and helps them to know that they need to take responsibility for their children specifically, um, and they need to train them in the right way to go. And one thing that I really think needs to happen surrounding this issue of guns is training children in the correct way to operate and respect a firearm. When I was working at Brook Kareth Camp several years ago, one of the classes that I taught was gun safety. And we had 10 rules for gun safety that these kids had to memorize so that they could effectively use the shooting range. Things like keep your finger off the trigger unless you intend to shoot. Things like treat every gun as if it's loaded. Things like know your target and what is beyond it. And I think that if we taught the correct respect for firearms and the correct respect for humanity, by the way, then we would not have as many of these situations as we do. How can we as a society say that you should value human life when we have so many states who are still fighting to kill their unborn children? How can we kill the unborn children among us and then still try to communicate to our kids that other human life is valuable? There's something wrong there. We need to uphold life as valuable from birth to natural death And as we do that, we will see an elevation of the value of human life among our children and our children's children. This is so important. Well, that's about all I have time to share today. I hope that you've been blessed and benefited by what you've heard. As always, you can leave feedback with the contact information that's about to roll at the end of the show, and you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts that would really help us get the word out about this show and the other offerings on the Speaking for Him 
podcast stream. Have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.